Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Hello, my name is Pastor Jeremy Bass. Uh, I had my triad interview on Thursday, and I passed that, which means I have one more round. It's, it's a pre, pre-clap. Uh, Erica took me out to Torchy's afterwards to celebrate, and she was like, this wasn't the final one. I have to celebrate you all over again. And I was like, yeah, Erica, you got to do this again when I do the real interview. So the real interview is going to be April 3rd or 4th, one of the two in Conroe, and so I would cover your prayers for that. But almost done. I've almost finished the race, and I am so pumped to almost be done with all this. All right, on to the sermon. Uh, So we are in the second week of our sermon series on prayer, our Lenten focus throughout the season of Lent as we prepare for the cross and prepare for Easter is focusing our hearts on how we communicate with God, and that's fundamentally through prayer. And so today, we're focusing on how we can pray like children pray, simple and honest prayers. What does it mean to pray simple, honest prayers for God? If you have your scripture or you have your Bibles and you want to open up, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, starting in chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 5 through 8. This is Jesus in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this about prayer, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus gives a lot of practical wisdom about how we ought to pray and how the way that we pray is maybe a bit different from the way that we see others praying. Uh, I'm reading those two prayer books that I mentioned last week, a prayer book by Pete Gregg and then Richard Foster's book on prayer for the series. And Pete Gregg says this in his opening chapter on prayer, that the best advice he can give to people about prayer is to keep it real, keep it simple, and keep it up to keep it real, keep it simple, and keep it up. And prayer is often meant to be simple and honest and real, and yet I would argue that that is often the part of our prayer lives that seems to be the most difficult for us to actually apply in the way that we pray. I think many times we find it hard to be honest with God about what we really want to say to him what is really going on in our lives, and we feel the need to be like the people that Jesus talks about here, to be like the people standing in the synagogues, uh, praising themselves, uh, shouting out to the Lord how wonderful they are, using a bunch of flowery, fluffy language, or to be like the pagans who think that the more, the longer that I can pray, if I can just say enough words, then maybe God will be able to hear me and bless me. And we sometimes think that those ways of praying tend to be more holy 
than maybe like the prayer of a child that we just saw. But Scripture seems to teach us that it's the simple prayers that are holy prayers, the prayers of like Jesus teaches us how to pray. Simple and honest prayers like Jesus teaches is much more authentic than the prayers of the hypocrites here in this passage or the prayers of the pagans. We can see this lesson in Scripture, that simple prayer is meaningful because God knows that we're human. Simple prayer is meaningful because God knows that we're human. In other words, God doesn't expect us to pray like God does. God knows who we are. He knows our fallibility. He knows that sometimes we're wrestling kids in the morning and we don't have a lot of time to pray or we're easily distracted or that we're not perfect. Like God knows all of that. And going to God in simple, real, and honest prayers is an acknowledgement of our humanity. I mean, most of the prayers in Scripture, one of the most powerful prayers and powerful prayers in uh, Scripture, but also church history, tend to be the most simple ones. The Lord's Prayer in Greek is only 31 words, and it originally rhymed. So when the disciples asked Jesus, teach me how to pray, Jesus gave them a poem to pray. Uh, Some of the most powerful prayers that we pray in our lives are simple. Uh, The Jesus prayer, which is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. Uh, The Latin prayer, Kyrie eleison, Christ have mercy, a simple but powerful prayer. The prayer, come Holy Spirit, inviting the presence of God into our midst, a simple but powerful prayer. And in the book of Acts, we see that the prayer that made a lame man walk was not a long drawn out prayer, but it was a simple prayer, silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And we can pray these simple prayers. We can pray these prayers that reflect our humanity because we worship a God who knows what we need before we ask. Scripture says the Father knows what we need before we ask. That God knows what we need. And so when we go to God in prayer, in this simplicity, it's an acknowledgement of our humanity as well because we recognize that we are people who are in need. Because we are people who are in need, that we as humans need to go to a being who is greater than us. I think it's often easy in our context, and we find ourselves in very purpose-driven, very successful, very high-achieving culture, uh, to recognize that we are people who are in deep need of God. Because it's so easy to cover all that up. But when we go to God with the cries of our hearts, with the simpleness of our prayers, with the struggles that we're going through, the internal struggles, the every, just all the mess that's within us, when we bring that to God in real, honest ways, it's an acknowledgement, it's a humility, it's a submission to the Lord that we need him. And this invitation that God offers us to be fully human in his presence is not a call for shame, but it's a call for uh, freedom. Because if we're called to be human, that means we're not called to be God. We're not called to be perfect in every single way. We're not called to have it all together all the time. We're not called to know all the answers. Jesus just calls us to be his children. 
and to talk to him like a child talks to a parent. That God created us with all these feelings and emotions and he knows that we're not perfect and that's perfectly all right. Psalm 103 puts it this way. It says this, for God knows how we are formed and he remembers that we're dust. God remembers that we're dust. God remembers that we're human. God knows that we're not perfect. God knows that sometimes we have these giant mood swings throughout the week. God knows that we have this wild range of emotion. God knows everything about what it means to be human because he created us to be that way. And God is not ashamed of our humanity. God is not ashamed of all these thoughts and feelings that we have. Richard Foster in his book on prayer says this about simple prayer. He says, our problem is that we assume prayer is something to master, the way that we master algebra or auto mechanics. That puts us in the on-top position where we are competent and in control. But when praying, we come underneath where we calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. To pray, writes Emily Griffin, means to be willing to be naive. That simple and honest prayer before God means that we don't have to pretend like we have it all together. That we don't have to have the right formula to pray. We don't have to have this good routine memorized on prayer that it's this humility and submission before God that I am not in control of my life. That I try to be so hard in control, but ultimately, Lord, I need someone above me. I've tried to be God in my life for so long, but Lord, it's not working out. I need something different to happen. Simple and honest prayer means we don't have to be God, that we can be human. Second lesson we learn from this passage is that simple and honest prayer fosters real relationship with God. Simple and honest prayer fosters real relationship with God. Jesus says in this passage, uh, don't be like the pagans who keep on babbling, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And that word babble, like literally think of a child babbling when they're just learning how to talk. That's what the word means. They're just making meaningless noise into the air, and they think that if they just keep making this noise, if they just keep making these words, then the gods will hear them. Uh, the pagans in those days, so they, they didn't worship just one god. They worshiped a pantheon of gods and goddesses. They worshiped many different gods. And when they needed a favor from those gods, they would pray to as many as they possibly could. They would try to manipulate the gods to get them to do what they wanted. They would name as many as they could, hoping that just possibly one of the many would hear their request. And they would pray to their gods in, in almost like a contractual manner, like, do you remember when I did this for you? Well, now it's time for you to pay up and come back and give me what I need. That I did this for you, and now it's time to pay the piper and come back to me. But we don't, we don't pray like that anymore, do we? When, we? when Jesus says, don't babble like the pagans, he's speaking about a prayer like this, a long, almost manipulative type prayer. An example of this we find in Scripture, we find this in 1 Kings 18. Uh, Elijah does a battle, a spiritual battle with the prophets of Baal. 
So it's one man versus thousands of prophets of Baal. And this is how the prophets of Baal uh, prayed to their God. It says this in 1 Kings 18. So they took the bowl given to them and prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted all the louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response no one answered, no one paid attention. And so you see that example of, of pagans babbling on. I think that's the imagery that Jesus is drawing from, is that, that long-winded prayer that if we just pray long enough, then God will hear us. That they're trying so hard not to just get the gods to do what they want, but to even just hear them. That they're trying so hard that if I can just pray long enough, maybe they'll just hear me. And the Christian prayer that we see here in Matthew is that when you ask God, when you pray to God, God's already actively listening and already knows exactly what you need. It's a polar opposite. That God already hears you, God already knows you, God knows exactly what you need. That's the heart of Christian prayer. Richard Foster says this about simplicity in our prayer and about the Father. Jesus reminds us that prayer is like a little child going to their parent. Our children sometimes come to us with the craziest requests at times. I mean, I know there's a lot of parents in this room. How many of you have had your children just this week come up to you with the crazy request? I think it happens a lot. I don't know. I'm not a parent. But I've heard it happens a lot. Uh, where they'll just come up to you and just say the most wild things. But even as a parent, when they come up to you and say these wild things, you still love it, right? Because they're coming and talking with you. They're coming and being with you. And sometimes they come up with a reasonable request. Sometimes they come up with a, a profound request. But you just love the fact that they're coming and talk to you. And I love the way that children pray because children are very honest in their prayers. And so I loved about this video. Lord, thank you for the strawberries. Lord, thank you for my cat. Or uh, what I used to pray as a kid, Lord, help the Astros win. I mean, there's just an, a raw honesty that happens when children pray. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment. But first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. And yet somewhere along the line, we're either taught or we pick up or we come up with this idea that prayers like that are not holy prayers to pray that we can't and shouldn't pray like that anymore. And yet we see in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, this, 
raw honesty, these simple prayers that the great heroes of our faith pray to God. Pete Gregg says this about these passages. What's truly remarkable about all the rude, irreverent, self-pitying prayers recorded in the Bible is not that they were prayed in the first place, but that they were never redacted from the text. I love that part. They were never taken out of the Bible because it's the Lord's way of saying this is a legitimate way to pray. That this heart-rendering, raw honesty, sometimes shaking your fist, shouting it at the sky type prayers is a perfectly acceptable, okay prayer to pray. Prophet Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 20. He prays this to God. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. You ever prayed that to God? God, you deceived me. God, I feel like you deceived me on this. Or do you think that's an unholy prayer to pray? Moses prays this. This is one of my favorite prayers of Moses. In Numbers 11, it says this, starting in verse 10. Moses heard the people, oh, real quick, context. Uh, The manna just fallen from heaven, and the people are upset because we don't just want manna, we also want meat. That's the context. (laughs) Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents, and the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised to give to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're gonna treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let my face, my, do not let me face my own ruin. Love that prayer from Moses. Because it's so honest. It's so raw with God that he feels the freedom to pray, Lord, if this is how it's going to be, I don't even want to be alive anymore. Just that raw, open, heart-wrenching prayer. So when you pray, do you feel permission to be this raw and honest with God like Moses is, or do you feel the need to dress up your prayers because you think God doesn't want to hear this raw honesty from you? But simple prayer we find fosters real relationship with God. Friends, I couldn't care less for a religion that does not allow me to go before God with the aches of my soul, the anger that I feel, the frustration that I feel in the mixed with all the joy of life. But the Christian faith allows us to take all of that to the Lord. That the Christian faith is not just for when you're on the peaks, but oftentimes throughout the pages of scripture, it's especially for when you're in the valley. You can shake your fist at God in the valley. You can wrestle with God all night long, as Scripture says. 
You can plead like Jesus does in the garden, Lord, take this cup from me. That it's okay to be raw and honest with God, to be vulnerable before God. In fact, I think the scripture invites us to have this real relationship with God. I'm sure some of you have uh, fake friends. Um, I, as I was thinking about it, probably a better word would be acquaintances. But I think real friends has more, fake friends has more of a, a punch. Uh, so you have fake friends, and then you have real friends. Uh, the real friends are the ones that you keep really close to you, the ones that when everything is falling apart in your life, that you go to them, you run to them, the one that you can call in the middle of the night when a crisis is happening. Those are the real friends. And the fake friends are the ones that you like see every now and then, maybe even see on Sunday morning, and you're like, oh, hey, how are you? How you're doing? But you really don't care how they're doing, and you really don't want them, you don't want them to know how you're really doing, so you just kind of keep them at arm's length. And we have these fake friends that we're nice with on the surface, but we don't want it to go any deeper. So friends, are we fake friends with God? Or are we real friends with God? Do we let the Lord into the difficult areas of our life? Do we let the Lord into our doubts, into our struggles, into those areas of our life that we don't want anyone to have access to? Or do we like to keep the Lord at arm's distance? Maybe post about him on Instagram and Facebook, but keep him far from my heart as humanly possible. What we find is that this is a core human problem. It's not just an us here in Kingwood problem. It's a humanity problem. We see this in the opening chapters of the Bible. Uh, in the book of Genesis chapter three, this is right after the fall of humanity. In Genesis 3, 8, scripture says this. Um, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? A response from Adam, I heard that you were around and I was afraid and so I hid. Friends, honest, simple prayer that Jesus is talking about here is choosing not to be Adam anymore. Choosing not to hide from God what we so desperately want to hide from him. I'm gonna be pretty extremely vulnerable with y'all for a moment, uh, more than I normally am. Um, I'm gonna share a passage from my prayer journal in undergrad. Uh, the Lord asked me to do this Otherwise, I don't think I ever would, so I'm hoping uh, the Lord will be faithful in this. And I try to be vulnerable with y'all to show that the Christian life is not just uh, one that's fluffy and nice and really shiny on the outside, but that the Christian life is one that really enters into the dark and difficult areas of your life, even mine as well. And this was a prayer that I wrote uh, when I was in one of those dark seasons of my life. Eric and I were broken up at the time, and I wrote this down. I prayed, God, I am afraid to trust you. I'm afraid that if I trust you with her, that you will take her away from me or ask me to give her up permanently so that you could teach me a lesson. And that just sits and sits in the back of my mind 
And when I thought that you were asking me to end things with her last night, that it was my worst fears coming true, that you don't care about what I want, that you are just trying to teach me lessons and you are using Erica and my care for her to do that. God, is that you or me or the enemy? Please tell me if it is and don't just be silent. God, please, I'm so anxious. This is hell. God, I hate this. And I'm so mad and angry and terrified of you. Like you are going to act and not care at all about what I want. Lord, connect my heart with my head. Friends, this is an example of an honest and simple prayer. These are the type of prayers that God wants us to pray. The prayers where we let God into the fears, worry, and doubts of our lives. And yet, for some reason, we're so afraid to pray these prayers. We're so afraid to be real and honest with God, afraid of what he'll say, afraid of what he'll do, afraid of if we really shake our fist at him, that he'll come back down on us with a stronger fist and punch us down. But that's not the response that God gives to his people all throughout scripture, and it's not the response he gave to me. But friends, prayers like this is the real meat of our faith, not the fluff to give over to God our real hearts because this is when real change and transformation can occur. Too often we are like Adam, feeling like we need to hide from God and not let him in. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in talking about prayer. Lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. So friends, my challenge for you today is to pray like Jesus taught us to pray, to pray simply and honestly, to give God your real stuff, to pray like a child in the arms of a father, as the scripture says, because prayers like this are what lead to real transformation. I'm gonna invite the band back up, and I wanna share a prayer entry that a week later, just to show the transformation that the Lord can do when you open your heart to him. I prayed this a week after I wrote down that prayer. Lord, I went to watch the sunrise this morning, but I couldn't see it because it was cloudy and overcast. And Lord, you told me that sometimes it may seem that just because you can't see the sunrise that there's not a beautiful sunrise but every day the sunrise is beautiful, even if you can't see it. Just like there are some days it may seem like you can't see me, but I am always there. Later that afternoon, I wrote down this too. I started reading Matthew today. What stuck out to me was the devil twists scripture and what God says. I immediately thought of when I had a panic attack before leaving school when I thought God was asking me to give up Erica like God asked Abraham to give up Isaac. But the story in my mind stopped at the sacrifice part and not at the part where God gives Isaac back. The enemy twisted that scripture to bring me fear and panic. Friends, I fully believe that to get to this spot, I had to first open up my heart to the Lord to give him something to work with. 
That honest prayer leads to transformation because we don't just, uh, the prophet Joel says this about God's people, don't just rend your garments before God, rend your hearts. That don't just make a show of placing your heart before God, but actually give the Lord your heart. So friends, how do you pray like this? Start with what you really wanna say to God, no matter how irreverent it may feel. Start with your heart, with your jobs, with your family and friends. Pray like this, pray like this and invite the Lord into the real areas of your life. Like a child letting a parent know what bothers them. I mean, you love it when your kids go and talk to you about how they're doing. God's the same way with us. He loves it when we go and tell him even the difficult stuff. So friends, offer simple, honest prayers to God. Just start there and trust that the Lord will take it from there to bring life, restoration, and healing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, we remember that Jesus came to break the curse of Adam, came to give us new life so that we don't have to be afraid in God's presence anymore. We remember the night in which he betrayed, he took bread when he was gathered with his friends and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, Father. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come in victory and we live together as a family forever. As we pray the prayer that your Son taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we do have multiple communion stations. We have two up at the front, two up at the back. Uh, we're doing intinction. If you are uncomfortable with that or you need gluten-free options, we have both available at the front and the back. You simply need to ask. But friends, would you come, taste, and see that the Lord is good.